God's promise of eternal life. Isn't it fantastic that we have such a promise? I wonder why some people just don't take advantage of that promise. You know, a lot of people know that God promises eternal life, but many don't seem to be interested. Question number one. What products or activities promise to increase our lifespan? What products or activities promise to increase our lifespan? What can you think of? You see a lot of advertisements on television. Hear stuff on the radio. Sometimes you run into people on the street who are giving out stuff, handing out stuff. And it's along the lines of promising to increase your lifespan, whether it's your usefulness, whether it's to have something to do with age or whatever. So what products or activities can you think of uh, that promise to increase our lifespan? Anybody? Mr. Nancy? Your voice. Go ahead. I'm thinking um, several years ago when I was on the way, they had three things blueberries, which is in the picture, mm -hmm. black beans, and exercise. Okay. <laughs> blueberries, black beans, and exercise. Okay. That is what I was about to say on the outside um, exercise. Okay. On the outside exercise. Vitamins. Vitamins, all right? Uh, one thing comes to mind, Geritol. Okay, that has been around for a while. I don't know if people use that, <laughs> but we heard a lot about that before. I saw something in, the, in the, an advertisement recently about this doctor who said he discovered some kind of anti-aging stuff when he was now promoting this thing. Uh, but that's one of the things that we see. Okay, uh, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life on page 22. In the past century, people in America have seen their life expectancy increase by more than 25 years. Americans are living well into their 70s and 80s these days. And based on the volume of ads and infomercials on TV, companies are lined up to sell you products or programs claiming to increase that lifespan even more. To be sure, some of the advice and products being offered are good and can improve our lives to some degree, but a lot of what we see is nothing more than a way for companies to make a quick buck from our yearning to live longer and look better. After all, life has to end. We can't go on living forever, can we? The truth is, we can have life. We can have a life that continues on forever. That's not a claim based on wishful optimism, but a reality founded on who Jesus is and what he has done. The short book of 1 John points us to this sure hope of eternal life. Notice what the point says on page 22. What does the point at the top of the page say? You were created for eternal life in Christ. You were created for eternal life. Does it stop there? In Christ. In Christ, and that's the key. You are created for eternal life, but only in Christ. Apart from Christ, 
can't happen. Now notice uh, the passage. Let's see what the Bible has to say about, about this promise of eternal life. Uh, let's have someone read uh, <clears throat> verses 6 to 9 on page 23. Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement. If we accept the testimony of men, God's testimony is greater, because it is God's testimony that he has given about his Son. Okay. Now, late in his ministry, the Apostle John served as a pastor in the church at Ephesus. There, John was opposed by a lot of false teachers, similar to what we have in our world today. Uh, there were false teachers who were espousing an early form of heresy called Gnosticism. And these heretics claimed, like we claim what some people are claiming today, they claimed the secret knowledge of the unavailable except through their teaching. Uh, there are people today who are telling you that they have some secret knowledge or new revelation. And you're only hearing that through what they are teaching. You're not seeing that uh, in the scriptures. Well, there were some people like that in, in the Apostles' day as well. And um, so, you know, going back to there's nothing new under the sun, uh, we see the same thing happening today. Specifically, they taught that Jesus was merely a man. He was nothing more than the son of Mary and Joseph. Christ was a heavenly being who ascended upon Jesus, the man, at baptism and departed from him just before he died on the cross. This false teaching denied both the incarnation and the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's what they taught, and there were people who believed that. In First John chapter five, chapter one, sorry, in First John five, the passage we just read, the apostle wrote specifically to deal or to counter such heresies. He wrote this because of what those people were saying and what they were doing in that particular in that particular time. And so many times we look at the scriptures and we see these things and we wonder where do they come from. Well, it comes from some of the things that were happening in the days of the apostles, and they wrote to address it. And that's exactly what uh, John is doing here with this particular passage. So you can see how relevant the scriptures really is for us today. Question number two on page 24. What does it say? Which verses teach us about Jesus? Okay. What do they teach us about Jesus? Look at the verses. What do they teach us about Jesus? Okay, he was the only one who came by water and blood. No, no, no other person is described as coming by water and blood, right? What else does it teach us about Jesus?
Anything else? Truth. Hmm? Truth. Truth. Okay, it teaches us truth. Okay, one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. Okay, let's, someone, let's have someone read the paragraphs on page 24, please. Christ followers can have absolute assurance of their salvation. Having confidence requires an absolute truth in which we can believe and trust absolutely. The Apostle John wrote, verses 6 and 9, so that we can believe in something that is true, something that will never change, no matter the circumstances, that something is the whole found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In, John, in John's time, somewhere spread a false teaching that denied the full humanity and deity of Jesus. The promise was that God came upon the, upon the man, Jesus, after his baptism, but left him before the crucifixion. In other words, the divine Christ only dwelt in the human Jesus during his three years of ministry. John identified these relatives that matter, that attest to who Jesus is. Okay, notice the three realities now. The water, the blood, and the spirit. See that? Someone read what the water says. Someone read that first one, please. John's phrase, the water refers to Jesus' baptism, which is then John probably had the perfect of saving. Okay, now notice, Jesus always was and is God's Son. He wasn't so God's Son when He was only in the flesh. He was, was and always is God's Son. Okay, let's have someone read the blood. The blood refers to Jesus' crucifixion, the end of His ministry of John was an eyewitness to Jesus' death, John 19, 26-27. He could personally testify how these events, Jesus' crucifixion and subsequent resurrection, point to the truth of Jesus Christ as God's Son. Okay, notice, Jesus' crucifixion and subsequent resurrection point to what? The truth that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, it's fine. Let's have someone read the spirit section. Okay, he will testify about me. 
the one whom proceeds from the Father will testify of the Father. God wants us to know with total assurance and confidence who Jesus is. God wants us to know that Jesus is the answer to every situation we face in life. Remember that song? Jesus is the answer for the world today? True to Scripture. That song is true to Scripture. Jesus continues to be the answer for every situation we face in life. And if we commit ourselves to Him and we trust Him, we will experience that first time. Okay, there's an exercise called Promises, Promises on page 25. Anyone did that? Use the following columns to record advertising slogans or promises that are trustworthy and untrustworthy. Examples are provided to spark your thinking. Okay? FDIC insured. That's trustworthy. You know what FDIC is, right? It's the insurance that protects your money in the bank. That's in the U.S. And we have something else here that's similar to that. And they've just been making some advertisements recently assuring Bahamians that when you put your money in the bank, there's an insurance that protects your deposits up to X, I think it's up to $50,000 or something like that. Uh, I think the FDIC protects up to 100000 uh, But lately the Bahamian, the, the, the government have been putting out these advertisements uh, showing Bahamians that their money in the bank is deposited and you don't have to keep your money under the mattress or in a rock hole because when you put it in the bank, it is insured. So if the bank folds up or the bank collapses, you get your money back. Your money doesn't go like Clico. Okay? Uh, so that's what this FDIC is. The FDIC is an insurance. Uh, so FDIC, trustworthy, because you know that your money is insured. Money, no money down, untrustworthy. We have a lot of that no money down stuff these days, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that today. Okay, the word is in is that's untrustworthy. You can't trust it. Okay, it's unreliable. Okay, a lot of things can happen as a result of that. Any other slogans that we can think of that we hear in the in the in the in the media today? Don't pay till next year. Huh? Don't pay till 2016. Don't pay until 2016 or 2020. We hear that one a lot, right? Yeah. No payment until you're okay. Do you think that's trustworthy or untrustworthy? There's a catch. There's always a catch. Any others we hear that fall into category of trustworthy or untrustworthy? What are some trustworthy ones we hear? Huh? I'm trying to think of one of those. Example: some some trustworthy ones that you could rely on. We just said Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer, okay. Any others? In terms of products and advertisements, what products you have, have you used that have been advertised and you could say, yeah, I could vouch for that, that's good. Anyone, Any, anything? 30 day warranty. Huh? 30 day warranty. 30 day warranty, okay. Yeah, that, that works, that's trustworthy, right? It's there in writing. Something goes wrong, you carry the product back and you get reimbursed or you get it replaced. Okay, that's a trustworthy one. Any others? Huh? 
Siapa? Finger looking good. Finger looking good. Just finger looking good is the first one. Okay, anybody else agree with her? Okay, so does Debbie agree with you? Finger looking good. That's the KFC one, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. What else? Any others? Trustworthy ones. One more. Cash on delivery. Huh? Cash on delivery. Cash, cash on delivery. Cash on delivery? Yeah. Which one is that? I haven't heard that one. That's a trustworthy. Uh-uh. trustworthy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Cash on delivery. Okay, yeah. Some people want to deliver anything without getting cash. Okay, let's have one more untrustworthy one. Start it to the no money down one. Okay. One untrustworthy one. Huh? Okay, those guys will say no problem, man. No problem. And then when you do go look at the body, you get all kind of problems. Okay, untrust. Watch out for those people who like to say no problem. Okay, what helps you trust in God's promises of eternal life? What is it that helps you to trust in God's promise of eternal life? Is proven truth. It's proven truth. And basically, just one word. Throughout the history of the world. Throughout the history of the world. Just one word, truth. He is truth. Remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just one word. Truth. Okay, and as Brother Nathaniel said, his, his proven track record throughout the world. Throughout the history of the world. Throughout the history of the world. He has a proven track record. Okay, so as we have seen, the Apostle John directly attacked false teachings in verse 6. As we move on to verse 10, we'll see two possible responses to the truth that he declared. Uh, Someone read verses 10 and 11, please. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within him. One who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony of the Son of God, the Son. And this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this is life. Okay, amen. Now notice, notice what verse 10 says. Life is found in Jesus. There are two possible responses for those who hear God's testimony. John deals initially with the person who believes God's testimony. Two facts about this person I emphasize. First, because of God's testimony, this person believes in the Son of God. John equates this belief with acceptance of God's testimony about his Son. The testimony of the water, the blood, and the Spirit. Believes, see the word believes? means a lasting, ongoing reliance on Jesus Christ for eternal life. Believes in means that this person does not merely believe the facts about who Jesus is but and what he has done. Rather, this, this one has entered into a trusting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, the one who believes God's testimony and believes in God's Son has this testimony within him, the pastor says. The one who believes is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 
according to chapter 3 and verse 24. The Spirit within bears witness to the truth of God's testimony about His Son, according to chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. The Spirit works first in a person to convince him or her of the truth of God's testimony about Jesus Christ. According to John 16, when a person believes in God's Son, the Spirit indwells that person and reconfirms the truth of God's testimony. And so we see the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer who believes and believes in what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's have someone read uh, paragraphs on page 26. <coughs> The truth about Jesus isn't just some cold, hard fact. When we accept who Jesus is and trust in his saving work on the cross, he places that testimony within our hearts. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within him. Verse 10. The presence of that testimony, the eternal presence of God's Spirit, moved move beyond simply a mental understanding and awareness of the truth. It results in life, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Verse 11. The Apostle Paul affirmed this truth. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. Romans 8.11. The world, the world wrongly believes that money, fame, and power will bring meaning and purpose to life, or will at least temporarily fill the void in our hearts. But we find hope only, in, only by recognizing Jesus as God's Son, who willingly gave his life for us. That recognition leads to eternal life. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus told his disciples what he was about to do and where he would be going. But Thomas didn't understand the path Jesus was laying out for, him, for them. He asked, how can we know the way? John 14, 5. Although Thomas knew Jesus, he assumed he needed something more. People today make the same mistake. They question whether Jesus is enough, or they think the answer to eternal fulfillment is Jesus plus something else. What was Jesus' response? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. John, who heard Jesus declare this truth to Thomas, reiterated it in 1 John 5, 11. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Jesus is our life. Okay, now remember, you will often encounter individuals or hear individuals or hear of individuals who talk about Jesus plus something else and this is the the erroneous teaching that uh, that has been addressed in this passage people today make the same mistake notice the past the last paragraph says people today make the same mistake they question whether Jesus is enough or they think the answer to eternal fulfillment is in Jesus plus something else so you need to be cautious of individuals who talk about Jesus and you need something else to add to him what was Jesus's response I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me 
Okay, question number three. Why is it sometimes hard for people to believe faith in Jesus is enough for salvation? Why do you think people can't accept the fact that Jesus and Jesus alone is enough for them to be saved? It sounds too simple, okay. Some people think, yeah, it is sound too simple. Uh, and, and they don't accept the simplicity of it. But that's Jesus making it simple because God is making himself accessible to everybody, to the simple as well as the wise. Okay, why, what else? Hmm? Okay, some are blinded by sin. And uh, we know sin has a component that tells us in order to get, you've got to give. Or you got to add to be able to find some kind of full satisfaction. So it's always adding to. Uh, there's that component to sin. Right, there are those who don't believe there is a God at all. Uh, except for when they find themselves in trouble and they all, oh Lord. Um, like the story of the Rastafarian who was running up and down in the street while the lightning was flashing. And. Um, uh, he was saying that Jah was taking his picture uh, because of all the lightning that was flashing. Uh, well, he got too close to a tree and got hit with a lightning bolt. And he shouted out, Oh Lord, not Oh Jah or Oh Yahweh, Oh Lord. Okay, so there, there, there are some people who don't believe in God until something actually happens to them. And they find out that, you know, God is the only person that they can call upon. Okay, as we conclude with verses 12 to 13, we'll also we'll see a stark contrast between eternal, the eternal destinies of those who accept Jesus' gift of eternal life and those who refuse to accept that gift of eternal life. Someone read verse 12 and 13, please. The one who has the Son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay. Now notice a couple of things here um, that we need to think about. Throughout 1 John, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 to 13, we've seen that believers can know with absolute certainty that they have eternal life because they believe God's threefold testimony about His Son. And this threefold testimony comes from what? As we have seen, the water, the blood, and what else? Spirit. The Spirit. Right. Those who believe God's testimony have the Son in whom life is found. Those who believe God's testimony receive the inner testimony of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus came so that through Him we can have life that is both not just eternal but abundant. He doesn't want us just to have eternal life. He wants us to have an abundant or a fulfilling life. He doesn't want to go, us to, to have eternal life and then go through life grumbling and complaining that I, I don't have this and I don't have that and things ain't the way I would like it to be. He wants us to have not only an eternal life but an abundant life. 
Life lived in obedience to God through Christ brings glory to God and full joy to the believer. Now, if you know a believer who don't have full joy, then you need to question whether they are walking in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the only time you don't have full joy in your life as a believer is when you're walking in, in, in the opposite direction that God is walking in. Okay? And so obedience to God through Christ brings glory to God. God gets His share, and you get your What's God's share? Glory. What's your share? Full joy. Okay, so everybody's happy. Okay? Everybody's happy. God receives what He deserves, and you get what you desire. And all of it, anybody here doesn't desire joy in their life? We all want joy, right? Assurance of, salva assurance of one's salvation is an essential element for fully enjoying eternal life right now. Now, if you find a believer who is not enjoying or their life or, or happy, it's quite possible that they don't have an assurance of their salvation. In other words, they're saved, but they're having doubts as they go through life about their eternal security because of those who say, boy, you could be saved tomorrow, today, and lost tomorrow. Okay, and so they listen to those people and, uh, and they sort of believe them, and so they don't have any joy in this life. But we can have joy right now. Therefore, we must show believers how to find peace in the assurance of their salvation. And we trust, and we must testify to unbelievers how they can receive eternal life. Okay, so it's our challenge to tell unbelievers how they can receive eternal life. Okay, question number four on page 27. What does it say? Okay, what are the, what are the present and future benefits of accepting God's promises in these verses? We just mentioned them, right? Assurance and joy. Number five. What responsibilities do we carry when we accept God's promises in these verses? What? Huh? Reach out to others. That's right. Reaching out to others. Testifying to unbelievers so that they can receive eternal life as well. Not just keeping it all to ourselves. As one old politician used to say some years ago, that's still ringing all for me, baby. All for me. Well, the believer doesn't say that. The believer has it, but he wants to share it with others so that they can have eternal life as well. Consider uh, the, the, the two points that we need to take into consideration the benefits and responsibilities of accepting God's promises as individuals and secondly the benefits and promises of accepting God's promises as a body of believers or as a community of believers okay look at the last uh, the paragraphs on uh, page 27 How do we gain access to eternal life? The answer is wonderfully simple. The one who has the Son has life. Now let me stop here. Could it be any simpler than that? 
Could, do you think it could be any simpler than that? Couldn't be. Okay, read on. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you have life, eternal life. Yet people continue to look elsewhere. We seek the fountain of youth. Maybe not through a quest like Ponce de Leon, but certainly through science, medicine, and technology. Our culture is determined to find eternal life without the burden of trusting and following God. Like the scientists, I just the science I mentioned earlier, who said he found some kind of anti-aging element. People still looking. Okay, read on. But we don't need a quest. Just trust. Jesus has done everything necessary to make eternal life possible for us. All we have to do is let go and embrace Him. Yes, we give up doing things our way, but we gain so much more. The eternal life found in Christ doesn't just refer to life that goes on forever. Eternal life speaks of the quality of life as well. It's a life far beyond what we can ask or imagine. And then the final paragraph, Romans 10.9 states, If we confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's our answer. Believe in Jesus. Believe he is Lord. Believe he is God's Son. Believe he died and rose again. Confess him as Lord, you will be saved. Is that complicated? That's pretty much straightforward, eh? Yeah. Pretty much straightforward. Okay, back to the point. You were created for eternal life in Christ. That's the whole point of this lesson today. You and I were created for eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't have it apart from being in Christ. Okay, let's look then at the uh, page 28. Live it out. How do we make this applicable in our lives as we leave this building today and go out into the world and be challenged with what we have heard here today and what we have read here today? Because the devil's going to challenge you now. He's not going to let you get away scot free. He's going to challenge you with what you heard today, not only verbally or audibly, but what you heard through the Spirit of God speaking to you individually. He's going to challenge you. You were created for eternal life in Christ. So how will that truth influence your actions and attitudes this week? Consider the following suggestions. Accept Jesus. And this is for persons who have never accepted the gift of eternal life. Okay, this that's challenge of it is, is for that those persons. Okay, number two, and I believe all of us here have accepted Jesus as a, as, a, as our Savior. So number two, live for Jesus. Okay, so in other words, we've already done number one, accept Jesus, right? Number two then is live for Jesus. In other words, be intentional about considering how eternal life in Christ affects your attitude and approach to the different hassles and routines you face each day. Paying bills, juggling your schedule, dealing with difficult people, and so on. 
Let the eternal nature of your relationship with Christ impact everything else. And it goes right back to the passage we saw that we mentioned earlier in Proverbs that says, commit your works or your ways to the Lord and He will grant you success. So we need to live with Jesus. See, a lot of believers are living just like everybody else in the world is living. Okay? They behave and they act the same way as the unbeliever acts when you talk about paying bills and juggling schedules and dealing with difficult people and so on. There are believers who behave the same way as unbelievers. So what this challenge is when it says live for Jesus is you live differently from those people. We complain about them. We see them. You know, we go on a line somewhere to pay a bill and we see how people carry on. Okay? When we see that, we, know we are to conclude that, you know, I'm not going to behave like that person. I'm going to behave differently from that person because I am living for Jesus. Okay, so that's the challenge. The second one, the third one is share Jesus. Not the all for me baby mentality. We share Jesus. Not that we want to keep him to ourselves. We want to share him with others. He's so good. You gotta, you gotta, you, you, you ever had that, something that you bought or you tasted and it was so good you want you want somebody else to try it? Well, same thing with Jesus. Jesus is so good, man, you got you gotta give him a chance. That's the whole idea here. You know others who are looking for meaning and purpose in places other than Jesus. There are people that you probably talk to and they're talking about all the challenges that they had, they're looking for this and they tried this and they tried the next and that didn't work. Well, you need to tell them, listen, there's a person called Jesus, you need to give him a chance. You need to give him a chance. Tell your story and point them to the life they can have in Christ. And simply, you're telling them what Jesus has done for you because of your relationship with him. That's your story. How he has blessed you, how he's made it, how your life is so much different from theirs. Uh, when it comes to all the complaints that you hear them talking about. So let me tell you how your life can be different. So we share Jesus. Okay. It's natural to long for everlasting life. That's natural. Everybody wants it. After all, we are created for an eternal life expectancy. Yet no product, gimmick, or health regime can produce in you what only Jesus can give. So embrace Jesus, embrace life. Amen?